Good evening. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Last night it was all about the man, the genius, the provocateur, maestro, Mr. Stanley Kubrick. I wanted to mention there's a really great radio show on Apple Music, my friend George Strombolopoulos, and he did a whole thing yesterday about Stanley Kubrick and how Stanley Kubrick, his usage of music and the songs that were inspired by his films and of the other filmmakers such as Quentin Tarantino um, who were inspired by Stanley Kubrick and, and Paul Thomas Anderson and um, Strombo always told me you know give your audience a promise so this is my promise this is going to be a good show a safe space inclusive and I wanted to start it off by there there's actually a connection between ministry and Stanley Kubrick, because Ministry was known for sampling. They were one of the few rock acts of that time to sample. And they sampled a lot of sounds from Full Metal Jacket, I believe, and Clockwork Orange. And Stanley Kubrick caught wind of this and uh, wanted to work with them. He wanted them to be in one of his films. Well, Stanley Kubrick was um, putting together the film, well, the ideas that would become the film AI. And because of the technology, and he had other things to do, he gave the uh, project to Steven Spielberg. And after uh, Stanley Kubrick died, Steven brought it to fruition with a lot of Kubrick's um, ideas intact in the film, including Ministry. Ministry uh, does a song, uh, What About Us?, and I think it's they're like in a cage or something. And oh, it was it was futuristic. It was scary. And there are a lot of filmmakers who really borrow from Stanley Kubrick, including Quentin Tarantino. When he did uh, Reservoir Dogs and they're all walking in formation. Just like the Droogs in A Clockwork Orange. And so tonight I thought we would just talk about film and its relationship with music and these maverick filmmakers, such as Quentin, Quentin Tarantino, didn't go to film school. And what he said is, is that he would put a record on the needle or the needle on the record. And that was his scene. And he learned to set scenes with music. And I've talked about this extensively, how he would use the music of Ennio Morricone like in Kill Bill, that pivotal moment, that spaghetti western Mexican standoff between the bride and Oren Ishii. And so tonight on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, we're going to take a break, but we're going to dive even further into music and films, whether it's Stanley Kubrick and Leggetti, or Sergio Leone and Ennio Morricone, or Tarantino and Morricone and contemporaries like Tupac and David Bowie to um, who's another one Paul Thomas Anderson and Amy Mann oh god that saved me song come on come on but a lot of the filmmakers today you know their usage of the music including Martin Scorsese's usage of the Rolling Stones there isn't a film that he hasn't done where there isn't a Rolling Stones song 
in it. So we're going to dive further into that Dr. Zeus film podcast coming up next. So, welcome back to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We were talking about music earlier in films, and I figured let's give you a music film. The Rolling Stones, Shine a Light, directed by Martin Scorsese. I thought that's appropriate because Martin Scorsese has used many Rolling Stone songs in his films. Shine a Light is from the album Exile on Main Street, which is considered by some as their best i always preferred um sticky fingers not just because of the album cover but some of the songs in sticky fingers are just oh my god they're they're rocking i know that sounded silly but they they are you know oh my goodness shine a light from their 2006 concert at the beacon uh theater in new york city during their bigger bang tour yep Scorsese filmed the Rolling Stones at the Beacon Theater on October 29th and November 1st, 2006. But the performance footage used in the film is all from the second show. The music was recorded, mixed, and co-produced by Bob Clare Mountain. The audio was done by uh, audio recording was done on the Silver Truck with David Hewitt. The concert footage is preceded by a brief semi-fictionalized introduction about the preparations for the show. And it's intercut with the historical news clip and archival news interviews with the band members. There was, I mean, this this was a really good audience that they had, a well-known audience. And then they had some guests. They had, of course, Jack White of the White Stripes, Christina Aguilera, and Mr. Buddy Guy. And I had the chance to see Buddy Guy back in March. I'm going to see him again. And Buddy Guy stares down Mick Jagger. And then, you know, Mick singing, and then um, all of a sudden, Buddy just opens his mouth, and boom, the blues just walked right in. And that's why I wanted to talk about this, because Mick Jagger recently turned 79. Keith will turn 79, and then next year, both of them are going to turn 80. The Glimmer Twins, as they're called, um, are going to turn 80. 
Rolling Stones. I mean, uh, you would think they'd be in a home by now, but they're not. I'm just kidding. I, I, uh, last night I left work and, or tonight I left work and I found myself just rolling down the windows and just blasting the Rolling Stones. It's such an amphetic sound. I mean, yes, everyone loves Satisfaction. 19th, um, Street Avenue, uh, Sympathy for the Devil. That's in this documentary. Prior to the uh, October 29th show, 83-year-old Amit Erdogan, a co-founder and executive of Atlantic Records and chairman of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum, was backstage in a VIP social area, the Rattlesnake Inn, where he tripped, fell, striking his head on the concrete floor. He was rushed to the hospital and died on December 14th, 2006. The film was dedicated to his memory. Yeah, that's true. It's sad. It's sad. It's a bittersweet moment of this. Uh, Shine a Light was initially scheduled to be released on September 21st, 2007, but Paramount Classics postponed it until April 2008. The world premiere was at the 58th Berlin International Film Festival on February 7, 2008. The film was also screened in the IMAX theaters. The IMAX version of the film was the second IMAX Stones concert film, the first being Live at the Max, released in 1991. So, most of the performance footage was called from the second night of filming. The night, the first night we had Bill Clinton there. Charlie Watts recalled, I don't know why Bill Clinton's bits in the movie, but it's a bit dull because they weren't really rock and roll people. But Mick was on fire. You could tell in the third song when Lisa Fisher, the singer, did a shimmy with him and you see the look on her face. He dances like Fred Astaire going backwards. Here are some of the songs that were played for this Beacon Theater show. Jumpin' Jack Flash, of course. Shattered, She Was Hot. All Down the Line, Love and Cup with Jack White. As tears go by, Some Girls, Just My Imagination. Faraway Eyes, Champagne and Reefer with Buddy Guy. Richards can be seen giving his guitar to Buddy Guy with the, when the song ends. That's that's true. Because Keith Richards is like, here, it's yours. Because they, they absolutely had, they still do have the utmost respect for Buddy Guy and Muddy Waters and, and uh, Holland Wolf. Buddy Guy is the only one left. Even B.B. King is gone. Buddy Guy is the sole blues man of that, of that whole era. Tumble and Dice, You Got the Silver, Connection, Sympathy sympathy for the Devil, of course, now that's a moment, Live With Me with Christina Aguilera, Start Me Up, Brown Sugar, which they have since retired, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, and Shine a Light toward the end of the documentary. There's an additional acoustic uh, numbers, Wild Horses, want to give a shout out to my friend Kelly, that's one of her favorites right there. Whenever it's her birthday, I think, oh, it's Wild Horses. And only found out yesterday. Noting the director's frequent use of the Rolling Stones in his films, their music, Jagger joked that China Light may be the only Scorsese film that does not include Gimme Shelter. Yep. Ah. DVD Blu-ray bonus features. A backstage and rehearsal footage, Undercover of the Night, Painted Black, Little TNA, I'm free. That's such a good song. I'm free to do what I want. Remember that? It went on to sell a lot. I mean, they, they made, okay. <sighs> the film made about $5 million 
then went on to make ten million, fifteen million dollars. What's the budget here? Budget is one million dollars. They made fifteen million dollars off this uh, concert film. That's when you know it's the Rolling Stones. Directed by Martin Scorsese, produced by Steve Bing and Michael Cole, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Charlie Watts, rest in peace, Ronnie Wood, Christina Aguilera, Buddy Guy, Jack White. Cinematography, Robert Richardson. Music by the Rolling Stones. Production company, Shangri-La Entertainment, 2008. I remember watching this one time and and you look at Jack White and you look at Mick and it's like, and I remember saying in the clip I sent it to a friend I was like why don't you guys guys just kiss already you know it was funny but all that aside when it comes to the Rolling Stones they really are the Rolling Stones I mean you think of everything that they've ever done musically and um here we go And I'm going to get in trouble for playing that, and I don't care. Oh, my God, the, the Rolling Stones. But there's one person who really can surmise the whole ethos of it's only rock and roll, but I like it. And that's the late Robin Williams. Robin Williams, who does a really hilarious take on Keith Richards, because Keith Richards just can't die. I know there's a cure for whatever bioterrorism that they send at us. I know there's one, and it lies within Keith Richards. I know that. <laughs> He's the only man on the planet who can go anthrax. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey. Doesn't go with my E. coli, the fuck. <laughs> Keith is the only man who can make the Osbournes look fucking Amish. <laughs> He's insane. I've seen Keith go to a drug dealer and the drug dealer's going, I'm out, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have nothing left. Supposedly, he goes to Switzerland and changes his blood. Not like one pint, but like a fucking Chevrolet. All of it. <laughs> I just want to know who gets his blood. <laughs> Some old Swiss man's going, Hey! You've got to go on tour, you bitch! You've got to pay for Mick's babies! I know this. I know that we may all be dead and gone. Keith will still be there with five cockroaches. <laughs> Keith will go, you know, I smoked your uncle. Did you know that? <laughs> Fucking crazy. That is Robin Williams hitting it on the head, doing a really brilliant um, impression of Keith Richards. And that's that's really what the Rolling Stones are. I mean, they were this band that wanted to be a blues band, but it came out a different way, and that's why they sound the way they sound. That's why Mick sings the way he sings. That's why Keith plays the way he plays. That's why Charlie Watts, oh, my God, Charlie Watts. When Charlie Watts died, that, that absolutely broke my heart. And um, because he was truly the heartbeat of the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones are touring right now. I hope to see them soon because, you know, I'm all about going to a concert. And some people go to cruises, which in, in this time I wouldn't do. I go to a concert, okay? If I could go to rock and roll camp, I would, but it wouldn't work. Um, say what you will about the Rolling Stones, and yes, 
uh, Mick Jagger is uh, very narcissistic and, and actually had a heart scare, I believe, in 2019. Had his heart all fixed up and everything. Still doing that famous dance that he does. And, you know, Keith Keith is just smoking him out, playing that guitar. But they're the Glimmer Twins. That, in fact, I think when they produce, that's what it says, the Glimmer Twins, which is Keith and, and Mick. But when it comes to films and music, and I was going to talk about other films, but I thought, they're it. Because you think of Martin Scorsese, and here we just lost Paul Servino and Ray Liotta a few months ago, who were both in Goodfellas. And in Goodfellas, there is a lot of Rolling Stones. On almost every film, there is a Rolling Stones song in a Martin Scorsese film. From Gimme Shelter to... Uh, Oh God! What's that other one? Um, sympathy, sympathy for the devil. Martin Scorsese knows how to how to light his films with good music. Steven Spielberg knows that. Stanley Kubrick knew that. Quentin Tarantino. We could say that yes, Quentin Tarantino has a little bit of Kubrick in him, but he has a lot of Martin Scorsese in him because of the violence, but also the usage of music. What Quentin Tarantino does with music in films, like I said earlier, with Ennio Morricone and Death Rides a Horse and that Mexican standoff between the bride and Oranishi, and she's staring at the bride, and uh, or the bride has um, one of Oranishi's um, subordinates, and they are staring each other down, the music's playing, and then she hacks off her arm. She later hacks off the other arm. And that's the usage of music in films. And so what Scorsese's doing, when he puts those scenes in, uh, let's throw some Rolling Stones in there. And it's beautiful. And it works like magic. Yes, there's always those of us, the Beatles or the Stones. <sighs> I like it all. Because as Keith Richards famously said, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. And yes, Mick is the lead singer I get it but after listening to Keith Richards book life and Keith Richards talk about music and his love and his addiction for music everything that he's ever done in his it, Mick Keith Richards has been through a lot he's put himself through a lot and so there's you know the jokes about having his blood you know recycled out and he created that mythology he talks about that in the book and who else could get Johnny Depp to read their biography? And Keith reads it toward the end. And so, yes, we're celebrating the Rolling Stones. And yes, we're celebrating Mick Jagger. But for me, and I've always said this, Keith Richards really is the leader of the Rolling Stones. Because he refers to Mick as his singer. And I saw an interview he gave with George Strombolopoulos on Apple Music. And he says, you know, I look at him and I think, that's my singer up there. And he's right. The Rolling Stones in films. For me, whenever I would watch a film and I'd hear a Stone song that I wouldn't know, I'd kind of, you know, retrace my steps. And in 2001, the movie Blow, Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz, the late Ray Liotta, directed by um, uh, Ted Demi. In fact, Ted Demi died a year later after, uh, I believe... Uh, Blow came out. It opens with the Rolling Stones. 
Can't You Hear Me Knocking? That's probably one of my favorites. When you hear Can't, Can't You Hear Me Knocking and that dirty guitar and mixed vocal and the way the band just gels together. And Keith talked about in his book how that really was, they were trying to, he was trying to copy Carlos Santana toward the end of the song because he was free-forming it. So that's when you when you watch films and you hear the songs. I remember watching The Dreamers I've talked about on this podcast before. And they were playing Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. These were certain songs I'd never heard. The Doors, Maggie McGill, The Spy by The Doors. And so that's what films do. They not only use the songs to illuminate the scene, but you remember that scene with that song intact. And I'm not just talking about songs that were written for films, but the the whole soundtrack itself, the whole vibe of the film. And so I thought it would be fitting if we talked about Shine a Light, the Rolling Stones concert film. They, the fact that they did it with Martin Scorsese, these, these big personalities, because Martin Scorsese has a big personality, and so do the Rolling Stones. But for me, it's, it's a beautiful moment to watch Buddy Guy up there. And so when I saw Buddy Guy, I thought, wouldn't it have been cool if he had brought Mick Jagger on just for fun? And just to stare each other down. Because, you know, Mick Mick and the boys think of themselves as blues cats. But when a real blues man comes up there and just fucks up the situation, it is beautiful to watch. And so whenever I talk with friends about shows that we've seen, and I can very proudly say, I've seen Buddy Guy. And Buddy Guy is the blues. And he taught the Rolling Stones how to really bleed the blues as did Muddy Waters, Alan Wolf, B.B. King, Sister Rosetta Thorpe. They all taught the Stones the blues. I mean, the, the Stones first started doing Little Red Rooster because they weren't writing their own songs. And that's what we're talking about. Shine a Light, The Rolling Stones. It's an amazing concert film. It's, it's Sadly, it's the last one they did with Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts died last year. He was the heartbeat of the Rolling Stones. And, uh, you know, film and music coming together right here. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Yes, we, we can make fun of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> we all have. Um, I, I just think they're hilarious. I know that at one point they were going to be in A Clockwork Orange. They were going to be in Lord of the Rings. But... There is just something very, very British about the Rolling Stones. And that's probably why the the Americans, we took the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Because, you know, that, that that's what it's always about. The teams. Well, who do you represent? Oh, I represent the Jets. Oh, I represent the Sharks. But musically, you could say, oh, I listen to the Stones. Oh, I listen to the Beatles. And yet they all knew each other. There's pictures of Mick Jagger in the studio with the Beatles as they're recording the Revolver album. There's pictures of John Lennon hanging out with the Stones. So it wasn't so much that they were rivals. There was a friendly rivalry. In fact, on the album cover of, yes, I've, I've looked at the album cover many times, of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, there is a shirt, I think there's a doll with a shirt that says, Welcome the Rolling Stones. The fact that they put that on the cover, uh, that friendly rivalry of these two British bands.
bands. You know, the, the Stones were from the London suburbs. And the Beatles were from Liverpool. And Liverpool was a tough area. And so, uh, you know, that's probably why the Stones, the Beatles got the white hat and the beat and the Stones got the black hat, according to Keith. And there's so many great documentaries about the Stones. This is one of mine. I love, this is Crossfire Hurricane. Things started happening for us. Well, uh, why, why did they start happening? Something to them chemicals reaction to have happened somewhere. What would you say happened? I really don't know. I love Charlie's reaction. I really don't know. Almost as many enemies as fans. And we have to pull away because the music's playing and the Stones have a habit of suing people and I don't want to be one of those people that they sue. But at the end of the day, it's only rock and roll and we like it. And we like it in our films and even to the chagrin of Ennio Morricone who didn't, who turned his nose up at Tarantino for putting modern music in his films because probably he wanted Tarantino to play more of his music, the spaghetti Western music. And, but when it comes to our modern films, Martin Scorsese always goes out on that ledge, plays the Rolling Stones. It highlights the scene. It highlights the movie. Whether it's Gimme Shelter, Sympathy, sympathy for the Devil, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, Can't You Hear Me Knocking, Angie, that's another one, Paint It Black, oh God, that song, um, Ruby Tuesday. I mean, there, there, there are so many... They're hits, though. That's the thing. We live in an era where unless it goes to number one, it's not a hit. But I'm listing off songs that we all know. I remember one time I made a CD for someone, and I didn't do it. was a Rolling Stones best of. It was called 40 Licks. It was to represent the 40th anniversary of the Rolling Stones. And they got mad at me, and they said, wait a minute. Where's Mother's Little Helper? Where's Under My Thumb? And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to do two CDs. Because it really was a two CD collection. But I thought, oh, I'll just put them on one CD. He won't even know. That's a true Rolling Stones fan who calls you out and says, wait a minute, where's this one? Where's She's Like a Rainbow? Where's Get Off My Cloud? Where's Tumbling Dice? <sighs> so, yeah. The Rolling Stones and Martin Scorsese. Talk about a marriage made in music and film heaven right there or for the stones sympathy for the devil yeah i i will say that whenever i listen to that song i really feel like they're sneering at the actual incarnation of the devil like yeah look at us <laughs> because they're going through all of these historic moments um the death of the czar um the kennedys the assassinations um Jesus and all that other stuff and because it's the Rolling Stones they, they've got that black hat not the white hat the black hat there's even a film Jumping Jack Flash directed by Penny Marshall starring Whoopi Goldberg where the, the movie's title is from a, a Rolling Stones song where they're trying to decipher code keys in Jumping Jack Flash in fact uh, Aretha Franklin did a really great cover of Jumping Jack Flash with Keith Richards 
producing and on guitar. So that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast talking to you about music and film, two mediums that are like peanut butter and jelly. And Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, who is one of our great directors, actually doing a concert film with the Rolling Stones in 2006. Um, there's Melee, there's BS, there's Scorseseisms, there's Mick being Mick, which is usually a diva. Um, there's Keith just lighting that cigarette and not giving a fuck. <laughs> so as always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>